we believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. And let the people sing praises. Chapter 10 of Luke, verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he, Jesus, entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet, and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. So that famous story of Mary and Martha about being busy versus being still, about receiving as opposed to just a lot of action. And there's a place for action and work, but before there's a place for action and work with the Lord, there's the place for receiving and hearing and discerning and being led by the Lord for the work you're going to do. And so we get this text, this story of Martha and Mary. The key phrase really is verse 42 where it says, Mary has chosen that good part. And it's a good part, and she's chosen it, and it can't be taken from her. So when we make that time to be with the Lord, as we make time to just sit at the feet of Jesus, if you will, it's something that's always going to be to our benefit to slow down and receive from the Lord. It's going to be the benefit of others when we come out of the presence of being with the Lord. And it's something that we choose to do, and it's something that really cannot be taken away from us. Because, of course, since Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith— for those who've received Christ as Lord and Savior, any time spent with him and just waiting on him and being ministered to by the Spirit, being ministered to through his word, it's going to build us up. It's going to give us his perspective on things. It's going to give us that sense of what he would have us to do or not do in certain circumstances. He's going to lead and guide and direct us. And so this is a great passage. It just reminds us that before we can do anything for the Lord, we need to receive from the Lord and make sure what the doing is doing is being done by his spirit working in and through us. So we begin by just looking at this phrase that Mary was at the feet of Jesus and listening to his word. She's at the feet of Jesus. It is also noteworthy that this, of course, is Mary who in John's gospel comes and anoints his feet with oil. She would sit at his feet to receive from him his instruction and she would anoint his feet with oil in preparation for his burial as a testimony of the gospel, wherever the gospel would go forth. Mary is very special and very unique in her role in the New Testament scriptures. We know that Martha is, of course, known for being busy, and people refer to Martha being busy. Um, I grew up knowing these stories in my own, my own household, and we use these comparisons even in our society, apart from the church, if you will, the Marys that just sit still and the Marthas who are doing stuff. But Mary was that one who was at the feet of Jesus 
and then later on anointed his feet. We also know that Mary and Martha, of course, are the sisters of Lazarus, who Jesus was good friends with and raised from the grave, which comes later chronologically from this event in the harmony of the Gospels in John's Gospel. We know that when Jesus came to the house of Lazarus, that Martha was the one who ran out and said, oh Lord, if you'd only been here at this time, my brother would be fine. You would have healed him. Mary was more slow in that sense not to come out, and Jesus actually called for Mary, and then she came out. But she did say the same thing. If you'd been here on time, this wouldn't have happened. But Martha, again, was the one running out there. Oh, if you'd only been here. And then Mary comes out, and she's like, gosh, if you'd only been here. You can almost hear the tone difference, perhaps, in the two of them. But Mary has chosen that good thing at the feet of Jesus. So when we think about at the feet of Jesus, we realize contextually that she grasped the magnitude of the moment. Jesus had a teaching ministry. For all the healing he ever did and the casting out of demons and all the supernatural things Jesus ever did, the emphasis of his ministry was teaching, teaching the will of the Father for all humanity. Jesus was a teacher. We look at the Beatitudes, or already here in chapter 6 of Luke, the sermon on the flat plain, if you will, and he's teaching. The parable of the, this Good Samaritan last week, he's teaching. He's helping us understand that it's more blessed to be a giver than to be a taker. And indifference doesn't work for anybody, especially God, that there's action. And so good action, which we saw last week, the action of the Good Samaritan. But he's a teacher. And so when the teacher shows up, it's good to listen. If the teacher comes to your house and sits down and starts teaching, we do wise to listen to him. And that's what Mary did. Mary recognized the situation, what it presented, and she was discerning and perceptive enough to listen. I've learned this in life, and this is a good lesson for all of us just in general, that when you find yourself in a situation, people have different skill sets. People have different education backgrounds. People know more than you know and than we know, especially in the Lord. And when, when I'm around certain people that especially are spirit-filled, and I can glean something or learn something from them, or they're talking about something, I want to listen to it. For example, Pastor Brian Broderson has been using a phrase, I've heard it now about three or four times, and I heard it even today, stay in your lane. That's obviously his sort of buzzword right now that he's sharing with staff. Stay in your lane. Kind of like when you're on the freeway, just stay in your lane. Don't be swerving around lanes, all texting, distracted, whatever. Just stay in your lane. That's his way of saying stay on point. And As I've heard that phrase used a couple times from Brian Broderson in regards to the staff at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa and the schools there uh, from staff meetings, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting phrase. I've never heard that. I've never heard that in a book. I've never heard that in the training with the Olympics committee and all that stuff. I'm like, it's a very interesting phrase. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. And uh, recently when I heard it, I thought, you know, I need to stop and think about what this is. Okay, now, because Brian Broderson is my pastor, and he did my wedding, and Brian's been there for 30 years. I was on staff at Calvary Costa Mesa for five years. If Brian Broderson is saying to the staff, stay in your lane, even though I'm not on staff, and my wife after 12 years is no longer on staff, that's an oracle of the Lord. That's, that's, that's an important church. That's an important man of God who's, who's done so much for the kingdom of God that I need to really think about that as an outsider. It's like, it's like if you see something special at a baseball game, because you know baseball, you see it and you catch it when other people didn't catch it. You know, and you're like, ah, I saw that. 
A triple play, everyone catches, because you hardly ever see a triple play. You wouldn't miss that. But there's little things like when the catcher backs up a certain way or the pitcher threw this pitch, this pitch, that pitch as a setup pitch and then got him on that pitch. You wouldn't know that if you didn't know the nuances of baseball and weren't paying attention to really appreciate something special that happened there. Well, Mary at Jesus' feet is someone who's tuned in with something special happening in her place, and she knows well enough that we don't need to be worried about who's serving food or what we're serving. We need to be sitting and listening. She's in tune. She's perceptive. She's aware of what's going on. She's focused, and she understands the moment. I've been saying this a fair bit the last few years, that when there are opportunities where God's trying to speak to us, whether it's a word on the radio or for the fourth time you hear someone say that Brian Broderson says, stay in your lane, you're like, stop and think about that. You know, what is the Lord saying right there? And how can I apply that? Or when you're just in your morning devotion and you're reading stuff that you've read many times before and suddenly you're like, suddenly you're just, wow, that really, that gets my attention. Like, what does that mean to me? And why is this standing out to me right now? And how does this work? And it's to be perceptive. See, what Mary shows us at the feet of Jesus is for the believers in Christ is that if we are proactively seeking the Lord on a daily basis, we will be proactively in tune with the Lord and we will be able to recognize and discern those special moments when he is speaking. And we need to not be busy and not be distracted, but to slow down and be focused and receive what he has for us. Of course, David said in the Psalms, the man after God's own heart, that he would seek the Lord early in the morning. We know that Jesus rose before it was light and would seek the Father, and he always did those things that pleased the Father. And it was his food to do the will of the Father. But David said there in the uh, Psalms that he would seek the Lord in the morning and he would meditate upon the Lord at night. And we talk about morning devotions, and we talk about, it's kind of a Christian term, like, hey, morning devotions, if you went forward at the Harvest Crusade in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth last month, and someone's like, hey, you need good, strong morning devotions, you'd be like, okay, I don't understand this terminology. It's like a, a Spanish phrase, you know, que buena, like, whatever does that mean? Like, well, what is good? But, like, it's, it's lost in translation to English, and so we'd say, hey, morning devotions, to someone who doesn't know the Lord, you're like, hey, so how's your morning devotions going to be like? What are you talking about? But I will tell you in the business world, and even like with the U.S. Olympic Committee, they'll talk about uh, morning meditation or quiet time to gather your thoughts, reflective thoughts, thought like things like that. So you maybe get some of that at work. But the difference is when we slow down and we make time in the morning, we're not like left to ourselves like, hmm, Joey, what do you think is the plan today? I don't know, Joey. Uh, since the universe revolves around us, let's come up with a good plan. Like you wouldn't that be the most terrible thing if that was your life? But you can get up and say, Lord, like David, early in the morning will I seek thee. Lord, search me, try me, know me, know my heart. See if there be any evil way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. You can be like the psalmist in Psalm 119. Lord, your words are lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Lead me in the way that you have for me. How can I cleanse my way, Lord? Well, by taking heed according to your word. And so we have that access to our great high priest, Jesus Christ, whoever lives and intercedes for us. And that's the great privilege of every morning and every day that we can draw near to the Lord. We only need to look at Daniel in the Old Testament who had that relationship with Christ in a prelude sort of a way before Christ came into the world. But Daniel, there in Babylon, taken into captivity, we know Daniel had a heart for the Lord. We know there in chapter one, he refused to compromise his faith. 
It says Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the king's delicacies. So even though his environment changed, his faith didn't change. His faith left a home court advantage and went into a road game situation in Babylon where they're stripping him of his name, stripping him of his identity, stripping him of his ethnicity and everything he knew about himself, giving him a new name and teaching him a new language and new gods to follow. And yet we read that he purposed in his heart not to defile himself. He had that core value in those convictions of his faith in God, along with Meshach, Jarek, and Abednego, and nothing was going to change that. And, and therefore, later on in his life, when there's the death threat against anyone who would pray to any god other than to the king himself there in Babylon, years later when he's an older man, he just does what he always does. He opens the window, unashamed, faces Jerusalem, which is where the glory of the Lord was last known to be, and he prayed, as was his custom since his youth, three times a day. See, that's, you know, it's core values, it's conviction, it's character, but that's getting to the feet of Jesus. That's making time at the feet of Jesus. Whenever I reevaluate my personal goals pretty much on a monthly or bi-monthly basis, I always start with me and the Lord. How can I grow in the Lord? How can I make more time for the Lord? How can I be more discerning? It's not like I'm training for sports like an athlete, but it's more just like how to make that time. See, morning devotion isn't a means to an end. We once had a guy that was involved in the church in Virginia Beach years ago. And he's like, well, I got to do my morning devotion so I can be a pastor. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. Morning devotion is not a means to an end. You shouldn't be a pastor. You should not be a pastor if you're not spending time with Jesus. That's That's a sure bet. No one wants to go to church and hear a pastor that's not been spending time with Jesus. And if you do, sorry. And just pray that I would spend more time with Jesus so you would have more of the benefit from it. But I told my friend who was part of a ministry training that we were doing, hey, hey, it's not like, oh, I spend this time with, in morning devotion so I can be a pastor. It's not a means to an end. Spending time with the Lord is what we're going to do for all eternity. Spending time with the Lord in time, space, and matter is the prelude for the reality of eternity. It's being in tune with him daily until it's the day of the Lord and we're with him in full glory and faith and hope are no longer necessary, but the love is still abounding, which transcends the dimensions. Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. So when we think about morning devotions, worship generation, body of Christ, it's not a have to, it's a get to. You do see, you do see world religions that do a have to, right? There's lots of world religions that they have to do things. You have to do this and you have to do that. Jesus Christ didn't die on the cross to, to demonstrate that love, to force a religious have to on us. It's a get to. It's a want to. We talk about in coaching that one thing you can never coach is desire. You just can't coach it. You can have great athletes with tremendous skill at what they do, but if they don't want to play and they don't want the ball in their hands with the game on the line, there is nothing you can do to manufacture that. In fact, when sports teams are drafting in the NBA or the NFL, they're trying to figure out who's got the athleticism, the skill, and the fire because they don't want to draft someone who doesn't care. And with the Lord, many are called and few are chosen. And I just believe it's like, if you, if you believe in Jesus, which I presume most of you do, it's such an honor and privilege to know the Lord, to have that relationship. And to not take that for granted. And morning devotion and sitting at the feet of Jesus is not about becoming a religious scholar. It's not about a means to an end to be in vocational Christian ministry. It's not about getting a better worldview. It's about spending time with Jesus. 
the one who loves us. And we love him because he first loved us. So for me, I've had strong morning devotions since I got saved in the spring of 1987. That's how I've gone through the Bible so many times in my devotional life with the Lord. I've let the Lord speak to me about every two and a half years through the Bible. It takes me about two and a half years in all the different seasons of life. So being newly married and not having children, having one child, having two, three, and four, all the different seasons, working part-time work while being a pastor, being on staff at Calvary Custom Mesa with Pastor Chuck, starting this church on a Saturday night in a Baptist church, all the different seasons that God would have, becoming a grandparent, having adult children go out and live adult lives, and hearing God speak through his word through all that, and to seek to have his heart and mind for my life in those circumstances, in how I view those situations, and go forward in those situations. Life is a journey, and Jesus is the author and finisher of the faith of those disciples who follow him, and he speaks to us through his word in a practical way, just the good manna, if you will, from the Old Testament. John Corson used to talk about this, milk, meat, and manna. The milk is the basic stuff that we're reminded of. The meat is for mature believers, and the manna is fresh food for today that the Lord's given us. And I I like to think about that and pray about that over Bible studies I teach. I want to be able to give milk. I want to be able to give meat, and I definitely want to be able to give manna, a fresh word. But in the end, a good diet doesn't have to be a fancy diet. Healthy food is healthy food. The word is the word. And if you're raised on the word, the word will work effectively in us who believe and make us more like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will remind us of what the Lord has spoken to us in that time that we've made with the Lord. Jesus said, apart from him, we can do nothing. We abide in him. His word abides in us. We ask what we will as we go through our day and he will accomplish great things through us. And if we just believe, we can move mountains as he says there in a couple different places that we can do in a very real sense. Like God wants to work great things through us and those great things are him working in and through us for his good pleasure and overflowing from our lives as we've spent time with him. The most wonderful woman on the planet, the most wonderful man on the planet, the most wonderful young man and elderly lady and all the human experience that you can run into is a person who has spent time at the feet of Jesus that day and has spent time fruitfully at the feet of Jesus that day, who has been in the word, has received what God is saying, not as a means to an end, but simply in a relationship, a loving relationship vertically with God, and then can go out from that place uh, horizontally in horizontal relationships amongst people, reflecting the heart of the Savior in how we do things. But to have that time, we have to slow down. We have to make time to be with the Lord. And We found this to be true. We all know this in human experience. We make time for what we want to do. We make time for what we want to do. See, Jesus said that what she had chosen would not be taken away from her. And the time that we make to spend with the Lord, the time that we make to spend in his word, the time that we make to build up our faith, whether it's driving for 10 minutes and turning on K-Wave or some worship songs, the time that we make for those things to draw near the Lord and remind ourselves, like Daniel and Babylon throughout the course of the day, not as religious have to because something's playing a loudspeaker, you better come now or it's all over, but because we choose to, we're blessed. We'll be blessed because we came, as the song says. We'll be blessed because we came. And 
Mary chose that better thing. And Mary spent, sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. See, some people, they don't do that. And when I think of other ways that we hear God's word apart from our morning devotion is when we come to church, when we worship the Lord. Honestly, on Tuesday night, when we have worship on Tuesday night, it, it almost just takes me about 20 minutes just to clear my mind from the busyness and all the open tabs going on. I've got spinning wheels all over in my head. And as each song is plowed, singing about heaven, the kingdom, and things of eternity, this wheel, this, oh, finally close that tab. Just bing, 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 close the tabs, clear my mind, and just to be reminded of what really matters and to draw near to the Lord. The time that we spend singing to the Lord is part of being at the feet of Jesus. We make time for what we want to do. Talk is cheap. The end of a matter is better than the beginning. When people write me letters about this and, oh, we're sorry, we haven't been in touch and want to do this and we want to train and we want to be a part of this and this and that and everything else, but then they don't, they don't put in the time and they don't show up. Talk is cheap, man. Talk doesn't mean anything. Solomon heard a lot of talk in his day and he was wise enough to know talk is cheap. The end of a matter is better than the beginning. Just do it. Just don't talk about it. Just do it. Don't talk about, oh, this is not. Just, just do it. Either you want to make time to be with the Lord or you don't. And as I took inventory, writing down goals the last couple of days, it's like I've, there's more busyness in my life and I need to even more diligently, proactively go to sleep every night saying, this is what the first 45 minutes of the morning looks like no matter what tomorrow. This is what it looks like. These are the things that I need to do. And I've got to stay on target to just clear that and be focused and receive from the Lord. Because there's always going to be another email that needs responding to. There's always going to be a text that's going to upset you. There's always going to be something new that's just going to push your buttons. There's always going to be some article you want to comment on that you know better than not to comment on it. There's always going to be that. The better thing to choose is the time with the Lord. And then you get his perspective like, oh, that's too bad. You know, and then you read about people who open their mouth and say things they shouldn't say. And you go, no, you should have spent time with the Lord. It would have been better for you. You wouldn't have to retract your previous tweet with a new tweet. Yeah? You spend time with the Lord, you'll just say less things you shouldn't say. You'll do more things you should do. And you'll avoid more places that you shouldn't go to. You just spend time with the Lord. Mary chose self-determined that thing which could not be taken from her. There's a lot of wasted time that is taken from us. <laughs> Interesting enough, as Nick Saban, the coach of Alabama football, said this about leadership and time. He said, if any moment you're not investing toward your goal and your objectives, you're spending time that's lost forever. You want to invest your time toward your goals and objectives as opposed to spending time wasting it. You're wasting your time. And I thought, well, if it's like that for Alabama football, how much more for the kingdom of God as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ? So am I investing my time in the future toward the kingdom, or am I just spending money and wasting time, spending resource of time on things that are frivolous, distracting, and do not matter? It's worth thinking about. So Martha's Mary's our example, and before moving on from her, I'll just say one more thought about this. I go back to, I've shared this verse the last couple of weeks because it has fit in, and it's just kind of been in my heart, but that's Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And what we find when we sit at the feet of Jesus 
and we just spend time considering, meditating, thinking about his word, letting the Holy Spirit slow things down, speak to us, devotion time, reflective time, is as we do that, that's when the Lord really begins to put on our heart what he wants to do in our life, that we begin to delight in him. It's not about what's facing me at work or the family matters or these trials and tribulations or this good news and we won the lottery or whatever life might bring you. It's really about delighting ourselves in the Lord. And as we do that, he moves our heart in the direction of what he really wants to do in our life. That's where we hear, in his word, we will hear him speak to us collectively to the church for what's true and right and noble, just and praiseworthy and honorable in his word to all believers from his word. And he will speak personally to us in our own life and where we're at. But when we really slow it down, like Mary at Jesus' feet, that's when he's going to put his delight in our heart and make it our delight. That's when he's going to, the Holy Spirit's going to take the compass of our life and really mold and shape it. We want to spend time at Jesus' feet. Now, Martha's example of what not to do. So, I mean, Martha is what she is. She's distracted. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed.